0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
1: Fall Guy. the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
1: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at it PG 13.
1: It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host, Neil Pickup, and it is on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup, show number 16. And tonight we got a little bit of a change of flavour. Those of you who tuned in to WL504 will know that there were two incredible debuts on that card. Slotted neatly in, just before the main event which had all the chatter and all the hype, we saw the debut of Marlin Kleinsmith the super-experienced Swede making her first ever appearance in World Arm Wrestling League, had a very unenviable task in facing her best friend and the reigning WAL hammerholder Fiat Isaac. But what an impressive start to her career with World Arm Wrestling League she had, tearing through her best friend 3-0 and putting herself firmly on the map with the fans of the World Arm Wrestling League. The second debutante on the 504 card was the man down under. Ryan Blue Bowen had often spoken about the childhood ambition that he had to compete as a professional arm wrestler. The World Arm Wrestling League gave the Aussie the opportunity to do just that, and he seized it with both hands. On the card, he would face Mexican warrior, Mexican standout Alan Guerra. As the day of the event approached, many people, including myself, thought that this matchup could well be the best match on an action-packed card. And wow did it deliver. An absolute screamer from start to finish, the match delivered on every level. With the match being contested in many positions, across many techniques. This was a night when the use of techniques was discussed probably more than anyone would have liked. And Ryan Bowen, along with Alan Guerra, delivered... A textbook example of an arm-wrestling purist's what-good-looks-like like matchup. For those of you who heard last week's show, you'll know that I had Marlene Clinesmith on the show. Our first exceptional debutante got the opportunity to talk to the fans about her first W L experience. And we couldn't spare the Australian the opportunity to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest on tonight's show is the man from Down Under, Ryan Blue Bowen. Ladies and gentlemen, I have got the man down under on the phone with me. It's Ryan Blue Bowen. Ryan, any aches and pains or has it all eased off now? The rumour is you've already started training in uh, the ancient Zilla way.
0: (laughs) Uh, G'day, Neil. Yeah, I I actually pulled up remarkably well from 504. Despite the absolute war that the match was, um, I was very pleased. That nothing was stretched in an untoward way. It was just regular muscle soreness. But, yeah, straight back on the horse and uh, training the Todd Zilla method indeed.
1: I suppose it's quite remarkable, really, in some respects. Because, like you say, the match, um, the match did go all over the place. I, I have to say, though, I think a lot of people commented straight after the match, which I've got to start by saying I think was probably the best match of the night, mate. So, firstly, congratulations on that. But you never got really stretched into any unusual positions and i think a lot of people really commented and were surprised by your ability to retain your linearity to keep inside your elastic limits i think in one match uh you got pretty nasty nastily stretched out when he when he timed a hit with his wrist broken (laughs) up And, and that was a bit scary for a while as you were already pinned down i think
0: yeah, round round two, I believe that was. Um, as you said, I got the, I, I managed to stay within the fundamentals of of, of I guess my arm. I was um, I'd taken the wrist, and al- although he had tremendous side pressure, and, and I couldn't just straight up finish. I was in a very superior position for the ability to bleed. Um, so I figured, yeah, look, I'll, I'll be able to hang here, and it won't be too long before the the wall starts falling down in Alan's game. Um, becomes um, pretty easy to get through. But he did the exact opposite. He obviously sensed that moment approaching and he just went balls to the wall, sort of just all in. And um, yeah, he nearly got me. And as you said, there was a couple of timed approaches there where I'm, I was looking to try to get my shoulder behind because this guy was redlining and he got so close to to getting me. That was that was a lot of breath holding, a lot of um, real genuine battling demons to just to keep that off from being pinned because yeah he was
1: he was very close. I mean I was gonna get into the sort of um specifics of the match as we go through the interview, mate, but we might as well just keep on a little roll here for a moment because when you were when I mean from, from my perspective just up there in the commentary box, I was looking down at that and thinking, yeah, Ryan's in pretty solid control here. You looked like you got what you wanted and you were really starting to move through the gears, particularly uh in that third round. But how much of that was genuine sort of um you getting caught out a little bit when you were resting? Did you feel like you were in a position there where at any time you could moved down a little bit and put sort of 80% into there and you were letting him gas, or were you yeah. working way above 80 throughout the match?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, the, the, I have a lot of respect for Alan after, after pulling him because, um, the man had a lot of side pressure despite being, you know, a very, um, I guess, stretched out an inferior position for leverage. Um, not that you can't like, like, I know my, my we talked about Todd Hutchins before he would be very proud of Alan. That it didn't matter where his hand, when his side pressure was still very, very significant. Um, but it still was, a it was way over my side of the table. So Alan was, was very stretched out. And I'll ha- I have to say that even there, there were plenty of moments that I was resting, but the reason I was resting, um, and in terms of well, when I say I was resting, I was resting my side pressure and my finishing muscles. And, but the reason I did that was because every time I tested it, um, it didn't feel like I was going to be able to get a pin. I thought uh, if I swung around kind of Matt mask style and, and went for it, I, I maybe could have chipped through and, and, and got the and forced the issue earlier. But the sense that I had in my arm was that if I did that, there was the risk that my own side pressure was going to actually. Collapse before his. Um, so, when I sensed that, I just said to myself, "Well, no, look, let's maintain this superior position and um, and just keep on working on on, on gassing out, and when I feel it's right, then I'll go." But um, yeah, that guy, I, I've got to take my hat off to him. He had a lot of stay
1: in that in that ugly position. He really did, mate. And, and um, as I say, we'll come back to some. I want to talk a a little bit more about the specifics of the match as yeah. we go through the the, the call, but. First of all, mate, let's start at the foundation, start at the beginning, because a lot of people won't know the sort of nuances of the whole World Arm Wrestling League set up for you, because you didn't have the smoothest of rides. You got over there, I mean, I think it was the night before I flew out, and I arrived uh, a couple of days before. So it was literally the day before I set off on my journey over there, and uh, I sent you a message as I was about to get on the plane, thinking that you'd pick it up the next day. And uh, you bounced it straight back at me and said, "Yeah, I'm 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 currently in a bath trying to lose weight," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was yeah. ace. <laughs> and well, it was about well, four in the morning over there, wasn't yeah. it?
0: <laughs>
1: what? Oh yeah, man. What, what, what you the know? hell? I mean just walk us through how much weight you were actually having to cut because it wasn't, it wasn't easy. When I got over there, you were still, you were still not at weight. You couldn't eat anything, could you? No,
0: that's right. It was, um, combining it with the international travel was a, was a real pain in the backside. I mean, I, 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 uh, what was it like 10 days prior I was weighing like 215 pounds. Um, and and I had to. I did a big hyperhydration. I loaded up with a lot of salt to increase my water retention and and get my cells pumping out the water. And then I dropped off the salt. I was drinking six to eight liters of water, kind of thing. And um, and from about five days out, I was zero carb. And uh, so when I travelled on the plane, I was literally drinking eight liters of water on the plane, which was thank goodness I had an aisle seat. Um, and I was eating very little from the, from the day I got on the plane, I was like, well, i got to really eat virtually just the scraps now and uh, make sure it's just lean meat or something like that. So when I got over to uh, Los Angeles and, um, and, and it was a, a three days out, I still had a considerable amount of weight to lose. And um, it meant that I, I virtually didn't eat, virtually didn't eat. And, and, I was only sipping water just to keep myself um, sane. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the, the jet lag was hitting me. So 4am I was like, well, I'm achy, I'm sore right now. Uh, even though it was still a couple of days prior to weigh I thought, no, I'm gonna jump in the bath and see if I can lose a bit. So yeah, it was a, it was a long process and um, it's, it's, it's so miserable. I hate cutting with a passion, but for something as big as the WAL, I'll do it. And the
1: funny thing is as well, I mean, Again, people won't know this, but and you, you hear these little stories. And I think one of the great things and one of the things I'll always take away from my arm wrestling career is the backstory of the career. The fact that the things that happened that weren't recorded, the things that happened that weren't documented are often the, the, the most fun. And I think, uh, or, or otherwise the case may be, but what I will say, I think that, Five four was sort of full of those kind of backstories. I mean, when you actually made weight, you know, we uh, and you, I'm going to say you looked like death on a stick as well the day we went to weigh <laughs> in. I mean, you did not look good. I, I, I've uh, I've been to places where I've I've felt the jet lag pretty bad and I've got bags under my eyes, but you looked diabolical that morning, and I thought to myself, Lad, he's not doing well. Then we we went over to the venue. You made weight. Uh, yourself marlin were sat on the floor of the novo eating crisps and trying to get trying to get as much <laughs> calories and carbs in there as you possibly could and we went downstairs to um a little fish and steak place at the but bo- bo- just outside the novo and within five we ordered the food within five minutes you were like a whiter shade of pale and feeling sick you were going to throw up in the bathroom so and i'm not making this up is that true or did that <laughs> you yeah, know, like-
0: that's one hundred percent true. I um I felt absolutely rotten as fun. Uh, first time I've ever had a rehydration feel so bad. Um, I uh I'd done a lot of research. Todd had given me some guidance on um on rehydration, and the drinking some incredibly uh, sweet um rehydration substances gave me a splitting headache. Literally within ten minutes of of my of, of knocking back up a Gatorade with. With glycerol in it and it was for sweetness and all sort of stuff. It was um it was uh like a migraine level headache and the nausea arrived. And I and you were there, Neil, trying to walk me through eating chips one at a time. I remember it. it was one <laughs>
1: chip at a time. <laughs>
0: it, 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 it was it was nasty stuff and uh but thank, thankfully Marlon had some um some Nurofen and some some uh pounded all some painkillers in a in a bag and she handed me some of them and about two hours later the, the headache subsided and the nausea was easing back and I, it got me to the point where I was able to eat some raspberries and blueberries and and slowly but and so surely um, the food became more significant and I started to feel more normal again and once I felt normal I started to really up the volume again on 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 the amount of rehydration I was getting
1: And it was quite interesting how much emotion was attached to your match and Alan's match. I mean, we we, we do, um, for the people listening, we do little interviews the day before where we get the sort of backstory from the guys and they do little bits to camera and so on and so forth. And also my broadcast partner, Ben Holden, uh, likes to sort of sit down and, and get more personal information about each of the athletes. And when we were doing that, you were obviously... You, you, you're well documented as how much this meant to you mate but I don't think people out there understood just how much it meant to Alan Guerra. because mm. well, when we were doing that little interview piece with myself and Ben Holden um, he said you know my whole country I, I'm representing Mexico I've got to do this you know I've got to show them that you know that, that, that Mexico has good arm wrestlers I've got to prove that my family are here watching me uh, and you could really see the pressure that he was under. He was obviously very aware of the fan polls coming in and the fact that a lot of people were picking you. Um, and he actually got emotional. He sort of broke down in an interview and, and it all sort of came out. You know, this is an absolute warrior of a, of an individual, as, as proven there. But what it does illustrate is just how much it means to the guys that are arm wrestling in these kind of shows. And I don't think that can be underestimated, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I I, heard, I picked up on that as well whilst I was there that that it meant so much to Alan. I'd heard I'd heard little bits and pieces from yourself and Ben, and, and I was I was putting together a picture of of everything about Alan. He's uh, not only his physicality, but this the, the psychology of the man as he was coming the, to the table, and the, when, when we kind of met in the halls uh, prior and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm as soon as I'm in the game, I'm assessing, and and that was the vibe that I got from Alan as well that he was. He was there, and and he wasn't going to leave nothing behind. So it doesn't surprise me that it that it played out the way it did. Because, yeah, he um he represented his country amazingly well, and 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 the 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 level of appreciation that I have for Alan now is at a different level. Because not only did we have a tremendous arm wrestling match, but the man literally approached me after afterwards and um uh said to me in the, uh, that he was truly honoured for the match and. That he uh, thought the war represented everything that arm wrestling should, and and as a token of his of his gratitude, he gave me his um, his uh, what do you call it? his hat, the the, no, big the sombrero, hat. sombrero. Yeah, he gave yeah. me the sombrero, which th- that 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 book kind of blew my mind. I didn't I didn't know how to really process that. I thought it was such a significant gesture that um, yeah, it it meant a lot to me.
1: Now. One thing I'm going to get into there, obviously before we before the match took place, we were chatting through and you were saying to me, look, when we start to do the match, I'm going to try and take a leaf out of um, many other successful combat athletes' book and get into his head, start yeah. to wind him up, start to really mm-hmm. put it on him. And I think, I don't know how shocked you were, but he was right in the mix with that himself, straight away. I mean, well, he, he actually started calling you out on thinking, what was he saying, mate? What, what was going yeah, on? Because we couldn't hear it too clearly.
0: He led the charge on that and the reason uh, he got on the front foot because round one, as we know, he actually, he asserted dominance in round one and put, put the match where he wanted it to be. Um, and as soon as he got the match into that, that spot, he started telling me to, to pin myself. Basically he, he'd obviously done his research on what I had intended on doing or what I had um, something that I focus on is, is just squeezing the life out of people till they do want to pin themselves. And so he was, as soon as he got that position, he was just basically in that first round telling me to pin <laughs> myself. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I didn't take the bait. I said it back to him. I said, look, man, you're going to have to pin me. I'm, I'm not, there's, there's, not going to pin myself. And w- all I did was I, I basically um, conceded in the arm, but I had my hand still fully in the fight. Mm-hmm. So... And every time he went to use his arm, um, like the first time he went to hook me, um, I then was able to re-engage my arm with my hand and get a stop. And and he then, I guess, got the sense that he had to, to pin me. But he was very talkative. And um, he carried over that talk. I wanted, to, I wanted to say he carried over that talk into round two and was still leading the charge in that even though I took his wrist off the go we were in the straps this time and I got his wrist back, his his side pressure was still very very significant there and straight away he was saying to me uh he was saying what are you what are you doing around what are you what, what, what's going on what are you doing um try because each time I went to go sideways his arm didn't move and so he mm. for a moment felt very very um comfortable still um but the beautiful thing was as the lactic acid went up in his arm he started talking a lot less and I started talking a lot more so uh, it was nice to feel those tables turn, and um, and yeah, uh, it was. But th- for me, the for me the the trash talking component of it is 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 part of the sport that I love. And I always want to be fully respectful to my opponents, but I love
1: I love that actual psychological battle that happens as well where was the turning point mate where was that point where you thought yeah the tide has now turned shoes on the other foot and because a lot of people just think it was immediately that wrist got broken back at the start of the second round is that the case or was it it was he still very much alive alive oh in in your mind at that stage
0: i i in my mind as soon as i got his wrist back i thought yeah job's on now um yeah i felt immediately a lot more uh confident that the overall result was going to go my way I could still feel that he was so strong and and there were so many uh layers that I had to get through but mm-hmm. yeah as soon as I had the wrist back the first time I thought well I'm going to get it back every every round now and um I'm going to be able to move on with the job but um even John Brzenk said to me in the corner uh that that I had to be careful about getting arm on arm with him because yeah, the match still was going to, even right to the death, the match still was leaning towards Alan, if it was arm on arm, I believe. Mm-hmm.
1: Ladies and gents, we got to take a short break just now, but please don't go away. We will be back in just a few with more from the victorious Aussie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to World Arm Wrestling League this week. If you've just joined us, my guest tonight is Australia's Ryan Blue Bowen. Let's get right back into the mix and hear more from the charismatic Aussie. You sometimes get a sense of how an arm wrestler's going to perform from their demeanour as they come out into the onto the floor. What I sensed from you, to be honest, was that you were redline adrenaline. You Mm. were really spiking. You could see almost boiling over. And it was so sort of like you were going through, I don't know, like a process of trying to contain some of that. Was there a, a time that you felt like you'd really spiked in terms of the adrenaline rush? Uh, did you sort of get any crash down afterwards? When the event had finished, did you feel very tired, drained? Did it all catch up with you then?
0: Yeah, it, it caught up with me at about 3 a.m. Um, no, no, I'll say to Sorry. a.m i didn't sleep the the night after i didn't sleep at all i was just literally up i couldn't stop um i was reading through instagram and, and facebook and everything just seeing what everyone thought of the matches and but coming back to the actual match like um without a doubt this match for me was the most significant match i've ever had and um so the the the, it's very rare that i i go into such a zone uh like i've always i've always thought of myself as someone when i when i approach a match that i approach in a calm demeanor and and i think a lot about my execution and i and i make sure that i i'm i'm already winning the game in terms of the 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 execution and the technique that has to happen um Mm -hmm. so but for this one it was it was it was different i um i didn't i didn't deliberately choose to take a different approach. It just, it just happened. It was just natural that, that the, the moment meant that I was, I, don't know, I was fired up and waiting in the, in the halls to be called. I was, I was already in such a zone. I was, I was pacing back and forth and uh, wasn't talking to anyone. I was just, just ready to, uh, to, to roll. And I, I feel like I, um, I feel like I didn't have any crash, uh, Prior or during the match or anything mm-hmm. like that, I know I, I know I spent a lot of energy during the match in um, celebrations and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, but I, I, I felt good. I felt good. I, I, I don't feel like I, it, it was detrimental at
1: any point. Did you? Was it what you expected, mate? When you went out there, was the whole experience the match, the prior, the post? Was it what you expected? Was it different, better, worse? How, how, just talk to me about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I loved it. Every bit of it. I've, I've, I've been admiring the world arm wrestling league and the, the caliber of their presentation for a long time. And, and it's, it's, I think for that reason that it means so much to her, to not only myself, but to everyone who pulls in the WAL and, and it's why so many aspire to, to be in it because it is, for me, it's the, it's the the pinnacle for our sport and on the current global scale for making the athletes look and feel like a true professional sports person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me the it was an amazing experience i absolutely loved it and when i walked out i i didn't have a i didn't even know what i was going to do i didn't have a plan a few people had asked me are you going to do like some sort of random toddzilla thing or and i said no i have no idea what i'm going to do i'll just i'll just let it flow so it just all was reactive and um, when the in terms of the atmosphere of the crowd and that i actually don't i never i never looked at the crowd once i i don't really remember seeing the faces of the crowd the only person i looked at was john um that i actually looked at with sort of a conscious focus on and um mm-hmm. person i spoke to was john so um oh yeah the, the, the overall atmosphere was amazing loved every bit of
1: it and I suppose it was nice for you that Heather was there, your lady was there to sort of see that as well because often, let's be honest, a lot of these events and most of the tournaments that you compete in, you're at alone. So yeah. something as significant as this that meant so much to you, was I thought it was quite a nice touch that she was there to to sort of share that moment with you, mate. Is that something that uh, you were very conscious of?
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Heather coming across, was um, it, it did mean a lot to me and um, because of how significant this moment was in my sporting life and and Heather herself, she uh, she was quite nervous about the the whole event, and just just from the supporter role, she she's um, I guess someone that wears her the nerves and anxieties on a sleeve a lot. And she was terrified about how significant this moment was, and uh, but and she 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 says she she loved it in the end, and the the moment overwhelmed her even in a, in a lot of ways, and uh, she was. Um, she enjoyed it more than she knew she was or than she thought she was going to. So mm-hmm. yeah, having her there was, was very special. I was, I was glad I had someone um, able to come with me and what we weren't certain that that was even going to be possible. Uh, we, my parents had to look after the kids and we had to, to make a few things work back here at home, but yeah, it was, it was really cool having her there.
1: Now then let's get down to brass tacks, mate. You've obviously uh, gone into marketing overdrive since you've been back there and I've already (laughs) seen some of the stuff come out as I would have expected. I would have expected, but uh, you've elevated your status pretty rapidly. I love your self-promotion, mate. You've got to admire that. Now, you've gone into um, putting out there a roster of athletes and a sort of progression path um, where you're right on that level alongside Justin Bishop, Paul Lynn, these guys. Now, you can actually say, okay, yeah, you would come in and be on the same level as Paul, not necessarily Justin, and certainly not necessarily above Frodo Hoagland, above Michael What I mean, you love to talk up the match, and I'm not daft enough to think that you're not doing that to create some kind of spike around opinion and to get that flow and talk going. Why Justin Bishop? Because here's my (laughs) angle on that, mate. Yeah, you've already lost once to that guy. Not in the world arm wrestling league, but Justin's already slapped you about over in Australia. Now, if you came up up short against him again, do you not think that that some in some ways gives you nowhere to go? Whereas there are other arm wrestlers within the league, which certainly some of your harsher critics would say are more suited to your style, the likes of, and I'll name a couple: Joel Hudik, who I think is probably. An interesting match with you. He's a warmonger. He's a guy that can grind all day. He's that kind of athlete where you would probably feel like you could get some purchase on your wrist and maybe able to work from there. Maybe even someone like Michael Saliaris, who isn't extremely powerful. He's more got mastery of the hand. And with your game becoming more more well-rounded, maybe you could do something with him. Possibly Quinlan, that Danny's about to face. So I just wanted to know why Justin, do you think that's going to give you that big elevation? Are you ready for that?
0: I do. You know, like you mentioned, that Justin slapped me around a couple of years ago and rightly so he did. Um, in two, it was October of 2017, Justin traveled out to Brisbane. Um, Justin was 195 pounds. I was like 205 pounds. I was a big, I was bigger than Justin. Um, he was my first true, international elite experience and mm-hmm. um yeah, he, he beat me 6-0 but there was a couple of things that, that took away from that match uh for me that were things that i straight away took to the bank and i, I took justin's wrist five rounds out of the six in that and you could see over those six rounds at rounds four rounds five round six he, justin was was fading and i was closing the gap so um he, even though he got, got the last round six nil, it was if, like, it was, it was close. It was really close in that last one, but he, what it identified for me was that I had a real lack of, of side pressure and back pressure. Now, at that mm-hmm. point in my tra- training, I had literally never trained a day of those things. I'd only ever trained hand at that point in my, my arm wrestling journey. Um, and it was a glaring hole in my my game that I needed to plug. Now, since that day, literally since that day, I, I went and trained with side pressure, back pressure as, as a as a predominant focus above my hand, and um, that's been accelerated dramatically in in the last six months. And and I, I I feel right now that if I got Justin's wrist back like I did two years ago. There's zero chance that he could pin me the way that he did back then. He would have mm-hmm. to reinvent something, and I I believe the match will actually would would the match would come down to whoever wins the hand and wrist wins the match. Um, mm-hmm. I think the side pressure is balanced enough now that, that that's where it would be. So I I feel like I've closed the gap significantly on Justin in many respects. I still know that his hand and wrist is is his ace, um, but. The fact that oh, no, I just I just don't I just don't at all doubt that I could get it again. Uh, I, it would be my emphasis in my training and my preparation because I, I do think that I've got enough side now that it doesn't matter. It'd just be whoever wins the hand wins the match is how I see it. And and of course I always res- respect Justin that th- this match by no means would be any certainty, but at the same time I feel like. Coming into it, if we were to have a match even late this year, um, that that I'd I'd get the job done. I just I just feel like I would, and I, yeah, there's a lot of I know there's a lot of other people in the WAL that I'd, that I'd love to have matches, but for me, this storyline of of avenging a loss is always something that that I love, and it's it it, it motivates me in a in a special way. It, it's 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 different to just preparing for someone I've never pulled from before. Um, getting to avenge loss is 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 exciting, and uh, I think that I think I'll do it. I'll just you just put that bit across the table
1: from me, and I'll uh, surprise people. <laughs> no, I'm going to build on that a little bit, mate. Uh, before I let you go, I got to do this. Let's just say follow this through, and um, will arm wrestling league come back and say no, not Bishop. You don't get a shot at him. He's he's in a higher echelon at the moment, and maybe getting title shots or so on. Let's see how that yep. goes. But. You, you, they're looking at the names and they think to themselves, okay, the ginger ninja, who do we put this guy against? So I'll fling a couple of names out and you tell me whether you like these matches or you don't. Okay. Sure. Joel, Joel yeah.
0: yeah. Look, Joel, Joel Hudick's always someone that I'd be willing to pull. Um, as you mentioned before, I think that the Joel and I stylistically is an interesting match, but yeah, absolutely no dramas pulling Joel Hudik. I think that, um, I know he's he's actually he actually eliminated Danny Tesh uh, after Danny had had a, a a bucket load of wars in 2017. Joel was the the nail in the in the coffin for Danny mm-hmm. at that moment. So so I've got re- respect for him, you know, on a power level as well. Anyone that can can pin Danny Tesh, I've got a a lot of respect for. So 100 100 percent, yeah. Joel Hidu would be no dramas at all. If we could line that up.
1: Okay, Nicholas Nanastad.
0: Nicholas Nanostad is a match that would would excite me in a, in a lot of ways um nicholas i love taking on arm wrestlers with extreme um tool sets I, I i'm a i'm a student of study of this sport i i i don't like to categorize this sport purely into strength i love the combat side of it and so whenever i take on someone with a very very uh a set of tools that is one right down one end of the spectrum it, it fascinates me and 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 without a doubt, Nana is that. Uh, I think he's the tallest guy in the middleweight division by a country mile. Um, so that would intrigue me to know whether I could uh, control that man in the way that it needs to be done to get a victory. And that's what that that's one that would I would I would genuinely be excited about that match for sure. Paul Lin. Paul Lin. I, I, I'll, I'll honestly go out there and respect and say I believe Paul Lynn is stronger than me in um, in all the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I For me, to beat Paul Lynn would be uh, an uphill battle right now just because I do believe he is stronger than me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not to say that I don't think it could, could be done. I think that I have enough that I could scare him in and have to keep him guessing, and that's what I would have to do. I wouldn't be presenting the exact vector of where I'm going to attack against Paul and he would have to, I'd have to get him into a mind state where he's unsure which direction I'm going to go. And then, um, and then, and then I may be able to crack enough of the purchase, but I will, i honestly say that I think Paul in's on a, on a slightly steeper trajectory. I'd personally love to see if, if in my head, I'm assuming Danny Tesh beats Quinton Mendes. Mm-hmm. That's just my gut feel. I would love to see Paul and Danny. Those I, two guys have. The- I did. I did that get
1: character. that gut feel. When I, I, yeah. I watched your uh, typically Australian super biased, I love I love anything Aussies do like that. The, 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 the second only <laughs> to the English at being unbelievably biased. And I loved it. I, I, I sat in there and I watched yourself and, and uh, Jordan doing Jordan. your thing. And uh, it, it just had me in tears. I, I took two me. Ma- I don't know about everybody else. If you've not caught that, you should check it out. It's the predictions for 505 by the perfectly unbiased Ryan Bowen and Jordan <laughs> Davis. And you'll, you'll take away two key messages from that piece first message you're going to take away is that danny tesh can beat anyone in the world maybe any weight <laughs> <laughs> second point you are going to take away and this is made really clear really early adam wilmot bad <laughs> <laughs> i mean dude
0: how can you sleep at night Oh, well, we, I, I felt real bad as soon as I Did saw Adam Wilburn and watched bird? the video. I thought, like, oh you no!
1: Bird and you come down on him like ice. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness! Yeah, that, I, didn't, I didn't, realize how bad it came across until I watched it back. And when it opened with uh, the first match and Jordan and I just looked at each other and laughed
1: and said, "Who wants to go 1st <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, mate. I don't know. I, I, I thought to myself, Christ, this is this is really harsh. But anyway, we're not going to dwell on Don't take it too personally, Adam. Australians are like, oh, they have their moments. We've been dealing with these guys on competitive sports for a long period of time. Let me tell you, it never gets any easier. You just got to try <laughs> and soak it up. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Back back to where we were, mate. Relentless Frodo Haugland.
0: Yeah, another match that, that I, I would be excited by. And because he, uh, like Nannestad, is 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 almost famous for an extreme version of arm wrestling he's relentless as we know the nickname for a relentless hoagland and and relentless for the fact that he can pull from ugly positions and never die um i think that match would have a similar shape to myself and guerra but it'd be even harder um and that would test me again in in a in a big sense but yeah that match would be one that i would tremendously love as well
1: and last but not least, the Fury, Craig Touye.
0: Yeah, wow. I've seen a few people say that. Um, and that's one te- technical match where where I, I'll admit that I'd, I'd be a little scared of, of Craig. And the reason I'd be a little scared of Craig is um, he's very vicious off the go. His initiations are, are very, very strong and 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 quick. Um, I feel like if he if he bumped me into his groove, I would he would destroy me. But if I managed to bump him out of his, I think I would win. Um, I've I've felt him on the practice table once before, uh, so I've felt his vectors and they're they're workable. It's, it had just come down to the strength in the initiation. So that one that one's a that one's like a black and white result for me. How it would go, it'd be a. Uh, but it, the mystery for me going in would just be, am I strong enough and quick enough to win the initiation? Um, so that one, I I, I do believe Craig Tuya is is firmly at the top of the WAL when it comes to the the right to have a crack at RVJ and all those sorts of guys. Um, and I I respect that. I think that he's done more than than I have. Uh, and maybe maybe get one more win before I get someone like Craig Tuya.
1: Mate, if you had the choice of any of the names that I've just put to you, who would you pick? With all things yeah. considered, so <clears throat> in your mind, if you're looking to progress towards a hammer shot, all the things that I know you do consider deeply, who do you um, pick?
0: I have to go with, um, either nanastad or, or or Frode out of those names, and and for the for the reason that i want to test myself um in as many ways as possible and i think those guys throw something at me um and look probably for the challenge i would say nanostad because i've a lot of people i've heard have already said that yeah yeah ryan's good against hookers but he's no good against top rollers and Mm -hmm. i love that i know how to beat top rollers just as well and that, that just as well as i do hookers and um and, yeah, so that that would be – I'd have. I'd probably lean towards Nanastad out of those.
1: Ryan, I just want to say, mate, thank you so much for the match. I thought you did an exceptional job on a night when a lot of um, arm wrestling technique was called into question. Uh, whether you're a lover or a hater, one thing that everybody did sing was your praises uh, and the fact that yourself and Alan put on the match of the night in terms of um, – technical prowess, it went pretty much everywhere I don't think you could have landed with much of a harder bang than you did, I think yourself and Marlon Kleinsmith were absolutely shining lights in that respect, you both had awesome debuts, your first time out there and you both impressed in very different ways, I hope that it was everything you expected it to be mate, and one thing is for sure, whoever you get, whether it's a name that I mentioned or somebody completely different uh, I'm very certain you will be back in the World Arm Wrestling League, congrats on the match mate and Thank you very much for, for coming on the show. I know it's 5am over there.
0: Yeah, mate, uh, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to to be on the show. And to, yeah, to be able to pull WAL really is, as I said on the stage, it was the fulfilment of a childhood dream. So can't thank everyone involved enough always, mate. So thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's show. I want to say a massive thank you. To Ryan Blue Boeing for taking the time out, particularly at 5 a.m. Aussie time, for coming on the show to talk to us about his first ever WAL experience. I want to thank all of you, as always, for taking the time to tune in, and I hope you'll do so again same time, next time, to the World Arm Wrestling League this week, with myself, Neil Pickle. Take it easy, peeps.